For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Believe in UCLA podcast, the UCLA sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Sam Conan. I'm joined once again by my co-host, Travis Reed. Travis, what's up, man? How you doing, Sam? How you doing? I'm doing all right. Happy to uh, finally have some UCLA sports back and get, <laughs> get the Bruins back on the court. It was a fun week just from that sense, at the very least. <laughs> grateful, grateful, man. Super grateful. Yeah, so Travis and I are going to be breaking down the past couple of games for UCLA men's basketball. They played Long Beach State on Thursday, and then just yesterday on Saturday, uh, they played Cal. They came away with wins in both of those coming off that big, long COVID break and got to 26 days, and they finally got back out there. We'll talk about those and also take a little bit of a look ahead at the Oregon and Oregon State games coming up later this week. There's also, it's a bit of big moment coming up here for, for UCLA football. It's not one decision. It's not two decisions. There's, there's so many decisions to be made in the coming days. And honestly, it could bounce in any number of directions. And we're, we're here to break it down Whether it's Chip Kelly, Dorian Thompson, Robinson, Caleb Williams, Zach Charbonnet, uh, just the coaching staff, the roster, the transfer portal recruits. There's a lot to break down just in terms of how big this next week could be for the next year or two so we'll talk about that and yeah that's pretty much all we got on the slate for this week so yeah um just a reminder episodes come out every monday morning so want to like and follow turn on notifications wherever you're listening spotify apple podcasts uh anything just do that so you can catch this every week and without further ado let's get started with a little ucla men's basketball talk that long beach state win and that cal win just Overall, Travis, what were your general thoughts of the team coming off that big, long break because of COVID and how they kind of had their first showing in these two games? Well, I thought you could tell like they were rusty. You know, you could tell they were rusty in both games. I thought, obviously, they scored a lot against Long Beach State, but um, Long Beach State is not really a defensive-minded team, um, <laughs> and that's coming from a Long Beach State alum. <laughs> um you know, they ended up, I felt like they scored 100, or like 98 or something like that. Yeah, 96. They, they yeah, scored 100 so. when they played in November and then 96 this time. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't that, it wasn't a defensive struggle. Um, I, I felt that, you know, Juzang played good in that game, had about 18 points, uh, kind of paced, paced UCLA. They got Riley back now. So I think, um, you know, they're starting to round into shape. They, they needed these games because, uh, I felt like they they canceled like I don't know four, <clears throat> three, four games, uh, five. You know, I want to say five, yeah. yeah, something like that. So they needed these two games. I'm glad they played Cal uh, in in Long Beach State, especially Long Beach State first, and then they went up to Cal. And obviously, you saw what happened against Cal. They scored 50 points. 
Um, or is it, you know, it was 60. I think it was 60 yeah. to 52. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 60 to 52. And so, and it just goes to show you two things. Uh, one, that it's always hard, always hard to win in conference on the road because teams are not scared of you. The fans are amped up. They know who you are. It's just a different kind of animal. And two, I'm just happy that they played, you know, like kind of two warm-up games before they really get into uh, playing like, you know, the stronger teams. Because for the first time since I can remember, the Pac-12 has three teams ranked in the top 10. Like, I don't even remember the last time that was that was the case. Um, so, you know, and we have one undefeated team. There's only two undefeated teams in the country, and one of them is SC. And uh, I'm, you know, like obviously Arizona is like number number seven or number eight, whatever it is. So like it's going to be really interesting coming down the stretch with these games. I, I really think that UCLA needed these two kind of tune-ups to kind of get ready for the you know real the real Pac-12 season. Yeah, I would say definitely they needed the Long Beach game to get ready for Cal because mm-hmm. the first ten minutes of that Long Beach game. They they were shooting like four or fourteen from the field. They were down maybe five six points. It just was not looking pretty. And then they ended the first half on a great run, even with Jaime's injury. Uh, and then in the second half, the offense is firing on all cylinders, and defense kind of fell out a little bit in that second half. But it was it was better than it was in November. So you got you got that going for you, and you had to get your legs under you in that game if you want to go up and play Cal. And I think the interesting thing about the Cal game is. So Mick Cronin coming into Saturday was 3-0 and against Cal since getting to UCLA. And the average score of those games was 61-52. to <laughs> And then UCLA, this time, they win 60-52. to So whatever the exact numbers were, it was basically exactly how Mick Cronin teams have played Cal in the past. Yes. So, and, and there are some people saying Cal is the fourth best team in the conference. I think maybe it's Oregon, maybe it's Colorado, maybe it's... Washington State or it's Cal that fourth team is a bit up in the air but it's a pretty decent Cal team that was playing really well before they lost to USC mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, you, yeah. you you get a, a good win over them and you beat them the same way that you have the past two seasons and two years ago it, you almost won the conference championship on that if it weren't for a, a last second buzzer beater by USC at the very end of the year and the year after that, you go to the final four. So if you're in the same position against this common opponent this year, that's a pretty good spot. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, they're undefeated in, 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 in Pac-12 uh, conference play. And like I said, every, everything is hopefully everything. Hopefully COVID doesn't, you know, mess up the rest of the season. But like everything should shake its way out. Obviously, they'll start playing the scs and the arizonas and you know those kind of games there was big huge games coming up so I'm, I'm excited i think this week coming up with oregon oregon state uh is two good two good tune-up games uh that they sh- you know you see like should win and um you know we're gonna go from there we'll see what happens but i think that you know they'll start revving it up because i know if i'm a college kid and i'm playing basketball and i don't play basketball for like a month and just practice for a month I'm dying for games. I'm super dying for games. So, yeah. Yeah. I think the, the interesting thing is uh, they're, they're going to have to get a little bit better before they play those high top level conference games, because as good as their defense looked against Cal, 
I don't know how that defense is going to do when they come up against USC, who's probably the best offense or Arizona. Those, those offenses are much more high powered than Cal's. Mm -hmm. So that'll be interesting. And yeah, I mean, it's fun to win games 60 to 52, but also you want to be scoring more than 60 points. That's not an ideal number. It, it was tough for, for uh, Juzang because he, he said the other day that he was one of the guys who didn't get COVID at all. So he was working out through that whole period. But I think it's like you're saying, it's that game speed. It's the, it's the environment. It's the, the toughness and physicality of an actual game that even if you weren't sick and you're not physically recovering from something, just taking that off for four weeks and coming back is still a, a little weird because yeah, Juzang had 18 points in that first game. He started ice cold, but he ended up doing pretty well. 18 points is pretty good. Uh, but against Cal, he was just awful, dreadful, could not hit a thing until he had a three late, but then wasn't playing good defense down the stretch, but he was not himself. That was very unlike him. And then you have someone like Jules Bernard, or I don't know if he was one of the guys who had COVID or not, but he was great against Long Beach State. He was hitting everything. He said threes, pull-ups, uh, like reverse layups. He was looking great. And then against Cal, he sucked. <laughs> he, I'm not <laughs> saying he's a bad player. He just had a bad night. And, and that happens, especially when you're coming off such a long break. Mick Cronin's talked about it. It's like a beginning of a new season for them in terms of the conditioning and the rhythm and how they're feeling on a day-to-day -day basis. So to get a kind of a layup game against Long Beach State, a team you beat before, you know how to beat. There you go. You get that Cal, a team where you have a blueprint to beat and you follow that blueprint pretty much verbatim the same way you, you followed it the past few years. That sets you up well for playing an Oregon team that is not very good this year, but has talent, could surprise someone. And then Oregon State sucks, so you better beat them. <laughs> and then by the time those games are out of the way, that's when you really get into the meat of everything with the, with the top level teams, with the, the mountain schools that are, that can cause a little trouble. And then obviously Arizona and USC. So this whole runway, I think has worked out pretty well for UCLA. I know Arizona fans are always pissed off saying, Oh, oh yeah. UCLA is ducking Arizona. USC is ducking Arizona. No, it, it just, it's just how it worked out. It's not, not a conspiracy, no big deal those games will be made up eventually and UCLA will have to rise to the occasion. And they just happen to have a pretty good runway to get themselves warmed up before that. That's the good thing about college. Uh, there is no ducking, <clears throat> excuse me. There is no ducking. You know, if UCLA doesn't see them, if they can't make up the game in the regular season. They'll see them in the PAC 12 tournament. You know, if, if they make it, if UCLA makes it, you know, there's no ducking, you know, you have to play. You know, yeah. and so SC will have to play UCLA. SC will have to play Arizona. UCLA will have to play SC. UCLA have to play Arizona. So there's no ducking. Yeah, and, and I think the one of the few positives to come out of this big break uh, because of COVID is, well, at least you didn't get shut down during March Madness. At least you didn't get shut down during Pac-12 tournament. So I mean, <laughs> with what we know about COVID and different strains and whatever these guys may be able to get it again, but let's just like, if they do get it again, it's going to be on the other side of all the NCAA and PAC 12 changes that changes the, the quarantine period and the isolation stuff. So now teams that if they get it, it won't be as disruptive like happened with the Oregon schools. They both had it, but they're rematching their Saturday game on Monday, two days later, two days later than it was supposed to be. So mm -hmm. it's not that bad. And if UCLA already had it and if they get it again, it's not going to be that bad. Well, it, it it was probably the best time to just get it out of the way. I hope everyone on the team's feeling all right. Uh, definitely 
got to get that con- conditioning back up, but it is what it is. And now it's the one less thing to totally worry about outside of guys like Juzang who didn't get it. But in terms of the team as a whole, you don't really have to worry about a major, just catastrophic shutdown again. No, no, definitely. I think I watch, like I said, watching the cow game, you could tell like all the jumpers were short, you know, and that's legs. And, you know, I felt that they just, like I said, it's like preseason, like all over again with the conditioning and then like uh, playing a hard game. And I felt like you could just tell that UCLA's legs wasn't there, you know, after playing Long Beach State, what was it on Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever, Wednesday, I think. And yeah, th- yeah, Thursday night. Yeah, turn, turn around, make taking a flight, you know, even though it's a short flight, but taking a flight, going to Cal, going on the road. It's just tough, you know, for kids that ain't played in so long. So I really feel like, uh, you know, getting a win in conference play is always hard. If you look at uh, this happened, what happened this last weekend, top 10 team Alabama goes down at Missouri, who was under 500. They were like six and seven. Yeah, Duke lost to Miami, too. Duke Duke lost at home to Miami. Yeah, it happens. That's how (laughs) conference play is. Nothing's a given conference play. Yeah, conference play, you don't know because everybody's not – they're used to They're not scared. So, you know, they're ready to play. And so uh, getting wins in in conference play is always big. Yeah, definitely. And and before we move on here, just want (laughs) to – I feel like every week we have a – like a Jaime Jaquez minute. Just to rave about him, but like we were saying, he he was he was playing pretty well uh, on Thursday against Long Beach, but at the end of the first half, he lands on a guy, uh, another player's ankle on his foot, and he sprains his ankle. He's got a big wrap on it, and it's kind of just kind of crossing fingers, hoping it isn't too bad. And he ends up making the start against Cal. He was tough as normal. He he looked like his normal self, and what he, he got fourteen points, uh, only one rebound, probably a, a little. Maybe it's some conditioning, maybe a little skittish coming off that injury, uh, going for for loose balls and stuff. But in terms of the scoring, his, his post moves, his layups, uh, out of out of bounds plays, he would look like himself, and that's always a good thing for UCLA. And then obviously Tiger Campbell, uh, he was hitting threes in both of these games. He had, I think it was 11, 10, and zero assist, uh, zero turnovers on Thursday, and then on Saturday he comes out, he gets 17 points. He's hitting threes. He's hitting fadeaways at the buzzer at halftime. He might be the guy on this team if you're looking for like who's going to make Pac-12 first team, who's going to be Pac-12 player of the year or something. Tiger Campbell, he is, he's making his case for sure. Oh, he's a great, like I said, people underestimate him, but I think he's one of the better point guards in the country, to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think that this year, he has no pressure on him because he had he's had the name before, right? Uh, and then maybe he didn't live up to that what he had before. But now he's third billing, you know. To be honest, like everybody knows who Juzang is, uh, Johnny Juzang, and everybody knows who Jaime is. So those are the number one, number two options uh, for UCLA, and uh, number two names. That's the ones that everybody's trying to stop. So Tiger, he's gonna get. The, you know, the third billing guy. So he's not going to get the number one guy. Um, so for him, he can like dominate, you know, because he's not going to get the best defender. The best defender is always going to go on Johnny, period. And so Jaime can be the guy, I mean, and not Jaime, but uh, Tiger can be the guy who can get those 17, in, you know, in, in six, six assist games on the road when Johnny's playing terrible and Jaime's kind of hobbled. So 
They're gonna need they're gonna need a great guard play from from Tiger down the stretch this year if they want to go as far as they want to go. Yeah, and I think they definitely can because Tiger right now is, has the best assist to turnover rate in the country. So that's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's pretty good. And then I think he's fifth in the country or, or uh, he's first in the Pac-12 in three point shooting percentage. So that's great. I, I was just looking quickly because this is the kind of comparison I thought to make when he first came in as a freshman, but before, or I think it was after he tore his ACL. So it was redshirt freshman year. I was kind of looked at him as like Shane Larkin. Remember him on Miami? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Barry yeah, Larkin's yeah. son. He, he, uh, mm-hmm. he was not very good his freshman year in terms of the full picture, but he was a, a solid game manager. Next year he comes out, he's averaging 14 and five with two steals. And he went from shooting 30% from three to shooting 40%. Tigers fall in that same kind of mold. Shane Larkin won ACC Player of the Year that second year. <laughs> Tiger can definitely do it. So yeah, yeah, I remember that team. They had a lot of talent on that team, a couple NBA guys too. Uh, so you know, Tiger can do it. I think that, like I said, um, if he stays consistent, oh, like especially when it's just the turnover thing, that's huge. Uh, yeah. especially in college. College, it's NBA too, but college is. Uh, it's a little bit harder to get that assist to turnover ratio so high, you know, three to one, four to one, five to one type. And that's what Tiger's doing. And so it's going to be interesting to see as they, as they keep, you know, going through the season, but I'm excited to see how he's going to continue to play. Yeah. And one weird thing that stood out about the, the Cal game first, I think Tiger had four turnovers or some, something like that. He had a few, wasn't really like him. Some of them weren't really his fault, but, I don't know. He's, he, he won't do that every game. And also, uh, it was five assists as a team on 22 field goals, which also is <laughs> kind of weird. Is that like offensive rebounding, a lot of like ISO? You're not going to see that a lot. So that 60 points from UCLA is very much a fluke because you can point out the things where, where they weren't themselves, and that's not going to happen every day. So that, that's that's something that we really don't think we're going to be seeing against Oregon or Oregon state this, this upcoming weekend. Um, but we'll move on from basketball for a little bit and move on to talk some UCLA football. Like we were talking off the top, big week coming up, big 10 days, whatever it is. We're recording this on the, the ninth. So you got mm-hmm. a few key dates coming up, but mm-hmm. first chip Kelly, he is going to be entering year five, of his five-year contract on the 17th. So next Monday. Mm-hmm. And if you get past that date, or actually, no, it, that's on the 15th. So it starts the 16th. So next Sunday, I think is when uh, his, the, the last year of his contract starts. If mm-hmm. Chip Kelly gets to that date, there's no buyout for either side. He could walk away and not have to pay a cent. UCLA could walk away and just kick him to the curb, and not have to pay a cent. So, the general consensus is if he gets to that point, he's not coming back next year. So this is a big week coming up for that extension talk, that negotiation with Martin Jarman, the athletic director, and then just the, the whole department at UCLA working with Chip and his agent, Jimmy Sexton. It's been an interesting uh, kind of fiasco because after the USC game, apparently UCLA was all in on bringing him back. But then uh, he's holding out for whatever reason, whether it's their, their, the department's trying to help him make staff changes or decrease his buyout and not give him enough years. Jimmy Sexton's playing hardball as, the, as Chip's agent, and it's going on long enough where it's probably impacting the team because 
not only does Chip have to come to an extension the next week, but also I think the, the 17th is the deadline. So next Monday for guys to go to the NFL draft, mm-hmm. Dorian Thompson Robinson, if Chip isn't coming back, well, I don't think he's come, he's come back. He's going to the NFL, but if mm-hmm. Chip does come back, maybe he decides to come back another year. Same, same thing with Charbonnet, Sean Ryan, Sean Ryan, who could leave because Justin Fry, the offensive line, offensive coordinator, he might be going to Ohio state. So a lot of these moving pieces impact the others. And also if Dorian Thomas Robinson doesn't know what he's doing, then why would, uh, would Dylan Gabriel from UCF, why would he sign and join UCLA? Well, he doesn't, he goes to Oklahoma instead. And Oklahoma just had uh, Caleb Williams into the transfer portal. So there's, like like I said, a lot of moving pieces. And honestly, I think all of it comes back to Chip as an ext- and his extension talks. If he signs, when he signs, if he doesn't sign, that's when the rest of the dominoes can fall. But until then, he's kind of holding everything else up. And I mean, if it's already cost you Dylan Gabriel, if it costs you other guys too, that's pretty detrimental to the program. I, I don't really know what he's doing here, driving such a hard bargain unless he thinks he's actually going to leave for something else. I would say this. That's a lot to unpack, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, there's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, Chip Kelly is the first huge domino to fall left, right. I feel like either UCLA, you're either going to pay him or you're not. Because there is no – like, unless he goes back to the NFL as an offensive coordinator, because, um, you know, Black Monday's coming tomorrow for NFL. Yep. So That's an, another big date. Another big date. So Denver, you know, obviously we don't have to get into it, but like Denver already fired the coach, maybe Chicago, maybe Minnesota, you know, maybe New York Giants. So, you know, these are all NFL jobs. Maybe Chip Kelly wants to go back as an assistant or offensive coordinator, something like that. Uh, I don't know if any team would give him a head coaching job, but, you know, that's, I don't know, that's neither here nor there. But like you said, that cost, this indecisiveness or hardball by both, maybe Chip Kelly and UCLA has cost them the transfer quarterback. Now, if, if, uh, you know, Thompson goes pro, uh, who's going to, I mean, I, they have a quarterback, but it's like, you know, what's going to happen. I just, it's, it's such up in the air and not even to mention that next month is February, which is the national signing date. Yeah. You know? Uh, so, how many kids is like committed to UCLA that might be like, okay, well, Chip Kelly's gone. I'm not going or Chip Kelly's indecisive. I'm not, you know? And so I think that, you know, this has to end one way or the other. Now, if Chip Kelly is a lame duck coach and says like, this is just my last year, I'm going to play on my contract UCLA. Cause there is no other college uh, coaches jobs out there that he will want to go to. There's none. It's only NFL. So unless, Unless Jim Harbaugh leaves Michigan and goes to the NFL, it's, you know, chip to Michigan. Oh boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, seriously. And that's the only one that he would, I think he would even think about. So, um, it all, like you said, it all depends on, uh, this chip Kelly thing, you know, because all the players, the players that could go pro, you know, they have to make a decision in these next eight days, seven days, whatever the case is. Chip Kelly has to make a decision within these next seven, eight days. And so does the school. So I think the school can go They're They're at a good point right now. Just one, eight and four, just had a great season. They can either build or they can decrease and start all over from scratch again. 
Um, I don't know if you said he wants to do that, especially with SC getting uh, their coach. Because yeah. he's a Lincoln Riley's going to be there for a minimum five to years, you know, I think, you know, five to 10. Yeah. He's going to build it up. So UCLA needs to have a Chip Kelly to combat that. You know, you don't want to go, this is just me. I don't want to like start all over while SC is just getting the right coach. And then it's just going to be just an avalanche of SC, you know, while you are starting to rebuild again. It's just, I would just try to, you know, give Chip Kelly what he needs and let him be. I mean, he won you eight games this year. Now, granted, like a lot of things happened for Newman Way eight games, but he won you eight games. Yeah, I, I think the thing is, though, when you're talking about where you decide to go at this point, you build or, or you break it down, start over. You've already lost Alec Anderson, starting right tackle. You've lost Tito Igbonia, starting defensive tackle. Your other starting defensive tackle, uh, Daytona Jackson, he's out of eligibility. Lose your starting middle linebacker, Jordan Jemar Keith. He's out of eligibility. Your two starting cornerbacks, uh, Cam- Cameron Johnson, Obi Ebo, they're both out of eligibility. Quantrez Knight, the heart of your defense, your starting striker, out of eligibility. Quentin Lake, your starting safety, out of eligibility. <laughs> Mitchell Agude, your edge rusher, defensive end, he could go to the NFL draft. So mm-hmm. could uh, um, Caleb Johnson, your other middle linebacker. So your defense, and, and your defense wasn't very good to begin with, that's getting gutted. And then you also add into the – you get guys like uh, Tia Sevilla, uh, the freshman who was your top recruit this past year who just entered the transfer portal. So you had a future guy who, who you were probably going to be building up. Well, he's gone too. And you got a few other guys like Miles Jackson, your edge rusher. He's going to the portal. He's He just committed to Indiana. Your defense, I don't want to say it's gutted because you still got guys like – like Bo Calvert and Stefan Blaylock. And like, you have some decent pieces there. And then you add, uh, it was Darius Masao from Hawaii. It's a pretty good transfer. Mm-hmm. But you're starting over on defense, essentially, with a few holdovers. On offense, like, like I was saying, you lose Alec Anderson, right tackle. Yes. You're losing your offensive line coach, offensive coordinator, Justin Fry. He's going to go to Ohio State. That means Sean Ryan, your left tackle, he's probably leaving too. Your yes. left guard, Paul Gradden, out of eligibility. So you lose three out of five stars in the O-line. And then who knows what happens with Doran? You could lose your starting quarterback. You already lost Britton Brown, your second running back. Zach Charbonne, it could go too. You lose your top two running backs. Kyle Phillips, he declared. There's your top receiver. Gone. Chase Coda, he could transfer. He could declare for the draft. There's your top two receivers. And then you got Greg Dulcich, top tight end. He already declared for the draft. Need a new tight end. So even <laughs> if, if Chip and DTR and Charbonnet come back. That's that's your your the the best case scenario in terms of most wins for 2022 is you get all of them to come back. The ceiling's not that high anymore because you've been absolutely gutted on the on the roster on the coaching staff. You yeah, lose your yeah, D line yeah. coach. You lose your outside linebackers coach. You're gonna lose Derek Sage, your tight ends coach, your offensive line coach, your offensive coordinator. So, yeah, having Chip and DTR and Charbonnet back would help with continuity. And you'd be, be a pretty decent team next year with an easy non-conference. You can probably win eight games, but that's probably your ceiling now, just because of all the guys you've lost. So it, there's just not a lot that can go incredibly right, but there is a lot that can go horribly wrong. If you lose Chip, you lose Doran, you lose Charbonnet, you lose Ryan, you lose all these coaches, and then you're starting from absolute scratch next year. And who knows what you're looking at then? No, you're you're 100 right. I think, like I said, the only reason I say like keep Chip 
is that you you have some stability, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Start, it, start, there's it, some value in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have some stability, even if he had to rebuild the offense and defense of coaching staff and players. I think it's a good stability piece to have Chip Kelly. But if you lose Chip Kelly, then you're for sure, like you said, you're going to lose everybody because everybody's going to go pro, going to go pro. Chip and you get some guys gone. enter the transfer portal too, and some guys who back out of commitments, and exactly. that's with a small recruiting class already. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like, basically, you're blowing it up. You're blowing it up. And if he, if he leaves, you're blowing the whole team up. And then basically the whole – everything, the whole football program. I mean, because – uh, like I said, he's been there for five years. We'll see. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But uh, like you said, like the, what you you basically said is like, if he leaves, the whole program can go down for the next three to five years. Yeah. And honestly, I'm not, I would rather have that happen than have Jarman budge on his negotiations with Chip. Because if Chip's like, oh, I want six years and I want a high buyout. I would rather start from scratch and blow it up than, <laughs> than, than have Jarman cave in to, to Kelly and Sexton's demands because you know that Chip Kelly has not been a home run hire. If you want to say that he's building, he, he's built, he's gotten better every year. The, the last year was pretty good. That's okay. But that's not someone you just break the bank for. So if that's what <laughs> Chip's looking for, I'd be, I'd be entertained to see an absolute new look UCLA team rather than seeing him get too much money with too much security and run it back for a team that's mediocre. So uh, best case for UCLA is chip agrees to whatever UCLA is offering something with a low buyout, not a lot of security, kind of a prove it kind of job. Dorian comes back. Charbonnet comes back. You win maybe nine games next year and then you give chip an extension or, or maybe you win six games next year and you fire chip without a lot of financial loss and you didn't have a horrible season. You still went to a bowl, whatever. But there's a pretty real scenario where Chip leaves, gets gutted, and honestly, I would be somewhat entertained by the absolute chaos <laughs> of that. <laughs> well, okay, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. All right, Sam. all right, all right. Say they give Chip like a three-year extension, right? Three years, I don't know, thirty million dollars. I don't know. Let's just say, oh, twenty-seven. Three years, twenty-seven yeah. million. Okay, and basically. There's no opt out. There's no buyout like or buyouts like $15 million. Would you accept that? Would you accept that deal? Or would you want them to have like just a two year extension type of thing where you're paying them more money? I if, if that's the deal, if it's three years at nine million per with a high buyout like 15, I'm I'm not giving him that contract. No way. Okay. If, if it's okay. like. If it's like a two plus one with a low buyout, something like a, I mean, right now it's nine. I think it'd have to go down to, I don't know, six, five. Let's say mm-hmm. I'd take a buyout of five mil with, let's give him a three year contract at, at, I don't know, six million per, which is about what he's making now. So it, I'll give him three for 18 with a $5 million buyout, maybe $6 million buyout. Anything more than that, you're just, for, I don't know why you would do that if you're UCLA. You know that he hasn't been great. So why would you pay him and give him the job security of a great coach? Because he has all the leverage right now. Now, if you would have said, like, we're going to – I think next year you guys have all the leverage, right, UCLA. UCLA has True. all the leverage. Because, uh, you know, like, there obviously be openings coming up and all these – there'll be some coaches getting fired from one of these big programs 
or leaving one of these big programs. Um, so you'll have a leverage. And obviously, you can always go get somebody from the NFL. Now, this year, it was an unprecedented, you know, time for college schools that had, I mean, big programs that had openings for college, openings for jobs, you know. When is the last time you've seen USC and LSU and Notre Dame, you know what I'm saying? And Oklahoma and, and Clemson Oklahoma, and, and Miami. Yeah, yeah. All have and Oregon. openings. Yeah, Oregon. I mean, not Clemson, but all the other schools uh, all uh, yeah. have uh, openings at the same time, same year. Um, you never see that. So this year was a bad year for UCLA to kind of pick a coach, right? But next year, you have all the leverage. And the only reason I was mentioning the contract to you is because if you just gave Chip Kelly, because he's not going to take another $6 million deal. He's probably going to want eight, you know? Um, I, I mean, he might think that. I don't think UCLA is giving him that much. <laughs> that that put him in the top, uh, out of like the top 10-ish. I think UCLA wants to pay him like he is somewhere from 18 to 27, somewhere in that rank they want to pay him like he's playing they want to pay him like he's playing Hilton you know honestly yeah they they because the market has has gone up coaches are getting paid more now than they were four years ago when they signed him and they want to keep his salary steady it can't happen if look if uh he's not Lincoln Riley but Lincoln Riley's making what 10 12 yeah something like that you know what I'm saying he cannot he will not take six he's not taking nothing less than like seven at least in my opinion Right now he could, but I don't think he will. I think he's not taking anything less than seven, um, because if he's making twelve and he's at SC, and don't get me wrong, SC can play whatever they want. UCLA can give him seven. He's not going to take a four or a three. He's not going to take that. He's going to take minimum seven. You know, probably no no less than eight. So, like, would you do a short term? That's all I was like short term. Like, say two for eight, two for sixteen. Or three two, for two for 16, as long as there's a, a somewhat reasonable buyout, I'm fine. It, all I, if Chip comes back, it has to be on a prove it kind of deal where <laughs> you sign him to an extension this year and you yeah. can still fire him in December <laughs> if things don't go great. That he has not earned a, a long enough leash where he gets another p- couple years. It, this is just how it panned out because it's how his contract was structured and how his the how he developed his program over the past years. But that doesn't just because he got to this point doesn't mean he deserves to to have another three years, no questions asked. He has to be fired next year if things don't go well. So <laughs> you have to set yourself up if you're UCLA to to give him a, a team friendly contract. And if you're Chip, you should be able to recognize, well, I haven't done great the last four years overall, so I should have to prove myself. And and that motivates me. I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna recruit and I'm gonna get these transfers. I'm gonna hire these assistant coaches and we're going to be great next year. And then he does prove it. And then you give him a, a you restructure or extend after that, but you but can't then, just, you just put it down and say like, Oh yeah, no, come on back. You made it. Yeah. He made it to this date. Cool. Good for you, man. Yeah, sure. But didn't he do that this year? He got the, the transfers. He got, you know, he, he won, he doubled or almost doubled the wins, right? He, he won eight games this year, almost nine. You know yeah, but but at that point, if he did everything right this past offseason and ended at eight and four, and I, you're kind of recognizing that that's your ceiling and you don't want that to be the case either. So I, there's a lot of factors in this. 
<laughs> None of it's good for either side. They both have leverage and they and neither of them have leverage. It's wild. It's stupid. If something goes wrong in these next couple of days with the negotiations, maybe UCLA gets a guy from the NFL like you're talking about. Maybe they get Matt Rule if he gets bumped from Carolina. Maybe they finally get Eric Bieniemy from from Kansas City, their OC, who, who was a running backs coach here a while ago. He recruited Maurice Jones-Drew here. Um, so th- there are options, but it's a very bizarre scenario. You typically don't get this, the way the contracts are structured, the way the negotiations are happening but we're going to see how it plays out in the coming days for sure. Oh, no. Like I said, I think, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, like I said, starts with the NFL, what's going to happen in the NFL with Black Monday tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then it'll start with, uh, you know, what Chip Kelly, like, what does he want? I mean, does he want to go back to the NFL and maybe be successful, maybe not get fired in three years? Or does he want the security of college where he's, has a base where he's a legend in a way, not at UCLA, but he has more of a, like a base where he can always go get a job. Here, here you go. Here's here's a, a dark horse scenario. If you want to go somewhere and have the control and be a legend, well, a lot's going wrong with uh, over at Hawaii with Todd Graham, the old Arizona State coach. They've had like 20 guys enter the portal, guys written letters and publishing stories about how he's just horribly mismanaging the, the program and treating players horribly demanding for him to be fired. I don't know if he will get fired. It's probably, probably won't, but if he does, if something goes wrong, there are allegations or whatever, mm-hmm. maybe chip's just like, no, I'm going to like take a pay cut, go enjoy my life in Hawaii and just like rack up a bunch of wins in the mountain West and, and be good there. And then <laughs> give it four years. And then I'll get another power five job with a high paycheck instead of having to like scrape his way to a decent contract at UCLA, take some time off, go to Hawaii, have a good time, put up numbers and then cash in a few years. Who knows? <laughs> I would tell you that that's not actually Sam. That's not a bad idea. I mean, look in the, that conference with his offense, I guarantee you it'll be high powered. Oh, it'd be great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'd be fun to watch. Exactly. So they can, they'll be able to win games just off that. You know, they won't even need a defense, a good defense. They'll just have yeah. all offense. He can he can bring as with him. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that I, that'd be a dark horse thing. I, I really think, uh, like I said, I, I think if, you know, UCLA, he probably wants six-year extension, whatever. UCLA probably wants to give him a three. Yeah. So, I, I think three, and I – I hope they don't budge from that because anything more, unless the, unless it's a really low buyout and which chip also probably doesn't want anything more yeah. than three is just giving him too much of a leash that he did not earn. And I, <laughs> he himself would probably say that because he's a guy who likes to win, who has a history of winning and he came here and is one winning season. So I, it's all, it's all just like a bargaining power, just like under the table, whatever. It's just, it's contract stuff more than it is actual production stuff and it's always going to be weird and wild and this situation definitely is right, look i agree with you it'll be interesting to find out you know what's going to happen this next like you said eight days um and i'm I, for me for one i can't wait to see it you know because basically it's going to be this big domino and then a bunch of dominoes after that you know like you said like they're losing ucla is losing a ton of talent a ton of talent on offense and defense, and they could lose even more talent. So, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. Like I said, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. 
Yeah. I, I hope next week when we're talking, uh, maybe we'll be talking about quarterback Ethan Garbers handing it off to Deshaun Morrell, throwing to number one receiver, Logan Loya. Uh, <laughs> That'll be fun. <laughs> Nothing against those guys. I would love to see them be the number one guys just to change it up a little bit. It'd be fun, but ooh, it could be a little bizarre heading into next well, year, depending on how things go. Like I said, if, if they extend Chip, maybe Chip gets Caleb Williams. Maybe Caleb Williams comes in. Yeah. And the the running back, I, they haven't got any trends of running backs. The best ones look like they're off the market, which is weird because they've got Charbonnet and Brown the past two years. So running back, I, I am looking forward to seeing Keegan Jones and Deshaun Morrell and maybe Christian Grubb coming, coming off uh, his, his Achilles injury last year. That is a, a running back room that has minimal, minimal carries or snaps in college. And I, I want to see what they do when, when they get a chance. It'd be fun. No, yeah, yeah. It's going to be, you know, I, I, that's the good thing about college football. It, it never ends. It never yeah. ends, you know? And so, like, the season's over, but guess what? Now we're talking about contracts and, and people going to NFL. And then in February, when we're talking about it, we're going to be talking about uh, the signing day, you know, national, the big national signing day. And who's going to go here? Who's going to go here? Will there be some steals? Will there be this? Will it be that? So, me, for one, like college, you know, college football never ends. It's just a never-ending something. Yeah, and, and we love it. We can talk it all year long. <laughs> Agreed. All right, so that, that segment went on a little long. I think before we, we, we get things all wrapped up here, uh, Travis, do you have any expectations for the Oregon games coming up for basketball this week? Any, any predictions, any, any things that need to happen or can't happen? Just any general feelings heading into those games? Well, I think that, you know, we have to shoot better. You know, against Oregon, we have to shoot better. Like we shot awful. Yeah, was it like against... like two for fourteen from three? Yeah, it was yeah, a bad three pointing shooting it was against Cal. Awful against Cal. We cannot play that terrible and beat Oregon. I think Oregon's more talented than Cal. I think Cal's big man was better, but Oregon overall has more talent. And so, like, you have to shoot better. Um, now their defense was great. They held Cal to fifty-two points, but I think that. You know, Oregon's probably, like I said, a little bit more up-tempo a team. But I really think that UCLA has to shoot better. Like, you have to shoot better uh, these next two games. And hopefully that's their get, you know, they'll shoot better because they have a little bit more legs, you know, with them um, coming up. So they have to, you know, like I said, they have to shoot better to win these next two. Yeah, definitely. I, and I think Oregon's defense is not particularly good. Uh, if you just look, uh, I mean – they had a good defensive game against Pepperdine, but that's not saying much. Uh, Portland scored 71 on them. That, that's a worse offense than Long Beach State, so uh, <laughs> that's not great. I, I know my, my favorite, though, is Arizona State. The, I think a couple days – so Arizona State scored 29 points in a loss to – I want to say it was Washington State back mm-hmm. in uh, right after Thanksgiving. And then Arizona State plays Oregon a few days later, and Oregon lets them score 69. So <laughs> – you got a team that just they couldn't even break 30 and they more than doubled at their next game. So I'm I don't think Oregon's defense can slow you down. Like you said, you have to shoot better. They were missing open shots on Saturday. They're gonna get open shots against Oregon. They just can't miss them like they did the other day. Exactly. Exactly. I, I think they'll be fine there. Oregon State, if they lose that, something went really, really wrong. More than <laughs> just shooting. It, their Oregon State's not very good, which is a surprise because they came in as kind of a, a, a people picked them as kind of a darling after last year, what they did, but 
yeah, they should win both of these games. Oregon will be the tougher matchup because of the talent, like you said, but you got to shoot better and your defense got to keep it up. No, agreed, agreed. Like I said, I, I think, and, I, and like we just talked about, you never know what happens in conference, right? Yeah. And so, like, they, you can't assume anything. And so, like, I, I remember when I was at UCLA, we struggled with Washington State. And Washington State always would come, like, last in the Pac-10 <laughs> Pac at the time. You know, but in Washington State, you know, uh, Pullman, Washington, where it's cold, gym, there's not a lot of fans. It just sucks, you know? It just sucks. The, the hotel sucks, everything, right? And so we will always struggle. So, like, it's always a situation where you got to, you know, like, you got to take care of your business. You know, you, you know, it's really hard to win these road games, you know, really hard to win in conference play anyway. Yeah, I think that's it's good that they got a conference road game win this weekend, and then they come back with a, maybe a little bit better opponent in Oregon, so they're playing at home this week. That'll be good for them. Mm -hmm. Like we're saying, they should come out of this weekend I guess four and zero in Pac-12 play when it's all when it's all said and done, and they ride into the next wave of games. But they should win both of those for sure. That's about all we have for this week's episode of Believe in UCLA. Thanks again for listening. Uh, if you made it this far, you, you definitely are at least somewhat interested in what we have to say. So make sure to share, tell tell your UCLA friends, your Pac-12 friends, uh, get it out there. Turn on notifications. Episodes come out every Monday. And uh, Travis, where can people find you online and, and uh, all the other work and stuff you do? Pretty much you can find me um, at, at Travis W. Reed on Instagram and Travis W. Reed uh, on Facebook. Those are my social media things that I post all of my uh, content on. Obviously, we got this wonderful show on the Believe Network and also got the other show, An Athlete's Journey on the Believe Network. So, um yeah, like I said, I post all my stuff there so you can follow me. And uh, like I said, I will see you next week with Sam. I, I'm loving it. Me and, me and Sam have a good thing going. We're going to keep this thing rolling. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can't wait. There will there'll be even more to talk about next week. Can't wait. Uh, if you're looking for me on social media, you can just follow me on Twitter at Sam Conan. Or uh, you can head over to my site, the UCLA Sports Illustrated site, allbruins.com. Uh, you can head over there for all UCLA athletics news, whether it's football, men's basketball, women's basketball, uh, gymnastics, everything coming up this year, baseball, softball, whatever it is, you can find that there. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook. Um, so, yeah, with all that said, thanks so much for listening. And, uh, Travis, see you next week. See you next week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.